Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along Friday afternoon. Guest in studio with me. You know him well. Used to grace the airwaves of ESPN-UP on a daily basis, as I love to do. Ryan Marine in studio with me. What's up, Ryan? Big weekend for you. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Back up here in the UP. Quick trip to uh, take care of some family matters. And then back down to Indianapolis, where one week from today... Is, uh, is the old wedding, so yes. we got that to look forward to. Yeah, congratulations Thank on you. your upcoming marriage. Looking forward to seeing what it has in store for you. But I tell you what, good to have you up here. Always good to talk with you. What's been new since we talked last? I tell you, so I think the last time I was on, uh, we were chatting Indy 500. Yes. So knocked out my second Indianapolis 500 radio broadcast, uh, which... For folks up here who listen to the show are, are probably well aware that that was, uh, that was the lifelong dream. So uh, pretty neat to get to do that, not just once, but, but now a second time. Uh, been on the road a lot since then. Was in Detroit for a couple IndyCar races there. I uh, was out in Sonoma covering a sports car race. I was someplace else for an IndyCar race here recently. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin, actually, at Road okay. America. So, uh, yeah, keeping, keeping me on my toes for sure. So no rest for the weary. None. None no. whatsoever. But you know what? It uh, beats sitting at home twiddling my thumbs. Exactly. You're living the dream. Yes, sir. Well, I tell you what, what's coming up in IndyCar here in the next couple of weeks? Well, they got a couple weeks off, and then they head to Toronto. This is not an event that I will be covering. I'll be actually out in Portland, Oregon, covering uh, SRO America Sports Car Racing. So that should be a blast. Portland's a cool town, and look forward to getting out there for the for the second time. But uh, really, my focus is primarily on the wedding. I'm, I'm about <laughs> ready to sign off of social media. I'm not going to answer emails. Emails. We're going to see how that goes for about a week uh, as we uh, celebrate the nuptials. That's where your focus lies, as yes. it should. But I tell you what, you've got that coming up. You've got everything that's keeping you busy right now. We got to reminisce a little bit, got to talking about Westwood Athletics. You were on the call for them for quite a while, Blake Froling and then myself. But I tell you what, we're seeing the landscape change quite a bit. We've got the upcoming All-Star Game. That'll be tomorrow. Tell me about some of the memories that you've had from your time as the Westwood voice. Boy, that was it was an interesting time. It was one where you could tell that the foundation was being laid for something that you got to see mm-hmm. the last couple of years, where certainly the, the football team, you could tell my final year on the call, they, they were led by a bunch of sophomores. Nathan Beckman comes to mind. There were, of course, others, but you could tell that this was a group that was going to change the culture of a program. Um, Coach Sergula was very vocal about the impact that the young players were having on the culture of his program and the success, it was coming. It was just a matter of time. They needed experience. They maybe needed to grow up a little bit, uh, as is customary for a high school kid. But uh, that, that group clearly led the football team to bigger and better things. Uh, the basketball team, many of the same characters, you could tell there was going to be an uptick in performance. And then the girls' basketball team, mm-hmm. you just knew from talking to Coach Corcoran that there was uh, a lot of talent in the pipeline just ready to burst onto the scene, and they've been tremendous. It's been a lot of fun following from afar as that team has uh, really just asserted itself as a dominant player in the UP. Well, you were here for Scott Sergula's rookie year as Westwood's head coach, and look what he's turned this program into. It's interesting. I, I don't know if people remember this or not, but I was relatively new up here at the time still, and it was going to be John Jessen who was going to be the football coach. When I got hired, he was the one I met, and that was what all my prep was. I had been talking to him in the off season, and all of a sudden, and we're talking like right before camp started, John decides, you know what? 
I think Scott's the man to to take this program to the next level and and step aside. And so pretty early on, this is one of the first big stories that I'm covering up here, and we're talking a lot about it on the show. And you could tell for Scott, he'd served under the shadow of Jeff Olson for many many years, and he was going to be taking some of those principles and philosophies to Westwood, but. For him, this was his first big chance to step into the big boy shoes and, and step into the spotlight and have to deal with you and me, right, working in the media. And uh, and it was a tough situation, I think, for him because he was still finding his sea legs as a head coach. The team was in a period of transition, um, and it was going to be a challenging year. I think everyone knew that going in, especially for a new coach. But to see... The smile come to his face gradually as he started to see the progress of what he had been putting in, and, and he put his heart and soul into the program. You could tell it meant so much to him. And uh, to, to see now the success start to creep in as players are buying in um, and, and the foundation starting to come. I mean, he would take me aside after these games and say, these players, these names that you're, that you're calling, they're going to be stars and they're going to make this program uh, what, what we're aspiring to. And, and so those were some of the memories that come to mind, just watching uh, Scott's team come together and, and him be able to establish the culture that, that ultimately has led to so much success. Well, now he has the chance to do it with the boys' basketball program. Yeah, pretty cool. And, and you could tell, too, I remember he was coaching the JV squad even while I was up here, and th- there was a connection he had made with his players, many of whom were football players, too. And they were, they were intense, right? I mean, Scott is an intense guy. He's an intense it's, guy. It's part of, of the Jeff Olson coaching tree, I think. And, and it's what's made, made him successful. You have to be a tough player to play for Scott. And, and that is what you need in a lot of these sports. And so, yes, he's, I suspect, going to do what he did with the football team, with the basketball team. The same principles apply. Yeah, it's a different sport, but especially at the high school level, especially at the smaller school level, if you're going to compete hard, if you're going to work as a team, those principles that, that apply to the football team are going to apply to the basketball team. And I am I would not doubt uh, that, that Scott will have the basketball team playing at a high level. Did you see something similar with the girls' basketball team? You know Kurt was laying the foundation back then, but did you see something similar with the players on the floor that they were building something special a couple of years away? It was harder to tell because many of the players who have emerged now were still at the middle school level at that point. But thanks to Jared Kosky, who served as my color commentator, he was pretty plugged into the middle school level because his kids were were competing at that level. And between him and Coach Corcoran, they they told me, "Don't don't worry, this thing is coming. We've got some talent in the pipeline. Girls who are putting in a ton of work, going to the gym, going to the open gyms, right, competing to be better." And so yes. You knew it was coming. It wasn't maybe quite as self-evident, but and some of it too. You're like, all right, Jared, I, I believe you that your kids are good, but like every dad thinks their kids are good. I think Jared was maybe underselling just how good his kids are. We've got Ryan Marine, former ESPN UP sports director, in studio with us. Ryan, when you think back on your time as voice of the Patriots, what was your favorite game to call? Yes, yes, the. I'm trying to remember what year it would have been. I think it was my final year doing basketball up here. It must have been because that's when the Westwood boys went on their improbable run to the quarterfinals of the state, if I'm not mistaken. And to do it, they had to upset Ishpeming. And we know what the Westwood-Ishpeming rivalry means. 
here locally. I don't think anyone gave them a real shot. They had not been able to beat Ishpeming in previous meetings that year. I think they'd played them close, and I believe that, that I told people, you know, be be prepared. Westwood's going to give them a game, but I'll admit I was not expecting them to pull the upset that they did. And uh, for them to, to, to win that game, it came down to the wire. The gym at Westwood was packed. It helped that they were hosting uh, that particular game, and, and just a great atmosphere, a ton of fun to call. What was your favorite atmosphere up here in the UP? I think of that Westwood Nagani girls basketball game back in January. It was at Nagani on a Friday night. They have a wonderful facility, and it was packed to the brim. And it was the first game since Westwood upset Nagani in last year's district tournament. Any atmosphere like that for you, what comes to mind? Two, and one would be, well, maybe three, I guess. A playoff atmosphere at the Westwood gym was special, as I just mentioned. Any game in Nagani, you're Mm -hmm. right, that... That is Lakeview Arena. Is Lakeview, that what it's yeah. called? Hey, I still remember a few things. They uh, they packed that place. It's a cool venue. It's a uh, it's a really neat neat place to to watch a game and and the locals care. And they had some really good teams too while yeah. I was here, which still helps. Do. I, I don't doubt it. Um, and so that would be one. And then of course anything Michigan Tech Northern, right? Yes. If you can get to a Tech Northern hockey game, I I was able to go to one up in Houghton. Of course, I went to to ones here. In Marquette as well, and and as far as a, a UP sports environment, those are are hard to top. I suppose I should also add when we hosted Hockeyville USA, yes, that was unbelievable. The buzz around that event was was remarkable. And I can't wait for that again coming yeah. to Calumet here in the fall, and we get to see the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. Well, that that doesn't get much better, doesn't does get it? Much better the and the Red Wings team, too, yes. right? Hometown team and the defending champs. It's going to be a fun atmosphere up there in Calumet, albeit a very intimate atmosphere. Would you ever get to see the old Coliseum? No, I never did. I haven't either. It'll be my first trip there when Hockeyville comes around. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see how we're all packed in there and how they make it work. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Tom was just telling me uh, about what to expect, I guess, um, with, what, six or 700 people, the capacity Mm -hmm. there. So it's going to be a different environment for sure, but... Uh, the ticket's going to be hot, and uh, the the fact that you get the defending cup champions and the local team, it's a, a dream matchup. I, I can't imagine the line that will be forming to, to get tickets for that thing. This might be a little bit harder to answer. You can take some time to think about it if you need to. What was your favorite story to cover during your time with ESPN-UP? Did you have a favorite sports pen that stood out, a coaching change, what have you? But you talked about your first story here was that we were getting a Westwood coaching change. My first game here, I covered a junior varsity football right. game. Uh, we got to get Blake in here and see what was his first, because I don't, I don't know if he has some kind of oddity. But what for you was it that uh, was your favorite, maybe something that stood out? Well, I would say Hockeyville is okay. probably the top because of what it meant to the community. And we were a part of it from the beginning when Marquette was on the list. We, were, uh, we had guests in studio to talk it up. Um, and, and try and drive people to vote. Not that it really took us. I think the the there was a nascent uh, sense of, of pride in the venue to begin with that only grew as we got further along through that conversation. But I think anything, any sports pin that coincided with the college basketball tournament was a special one. I would bring in as many screens as I could into the studio to have as many games on simultaneously as I could throughout the day, taking notes, and then the show starts and we're live while games are happening. And and that, to me, was the most fun sports pin that we did uh, I think we ha- we had some fun covering some really weird events as well. Not not necessarily locally, but things 
like a pudding throwing competition that happened in the UK. We had somebody on. Uh, there was a UP connection actually to mm-hmm. the first ever burrito eating contest in Southeast Asian history, <laughs> and the guy who who organized it was from Marquette, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we we had a bunch of really strange things on as well that that we had some fun with. But uh, just in general, I have very fond memories of being up here in the UP, and it doesn't doesn't uh, hurt matters that my wife-to-be is from up here as well. She's yeah. um, a Gwyn graduate, so a, a model towner. Co-hosts have changed maybe a little bit yes. over the years. A few stalwarts, though. A few things don't change. Jake Durant was up here, yes. was he not? Uh, Ryan Stieg, yep. he was still up here. So we got a few that don't change. That's right, and I know we just said goodbye to Charles Belt, who yeah. got a great opportunity to go down and coach at William Woods. In my mm-hmm. old stomping grounds, even before I got up here, I was working in Missouri, and yeah. William Woods was a school that I covered from time to time, and I'm really happy for him. He was a great co-host. Bill Saul would come in and... And join us, uh, Pete Francis, who was Jake's predecessor. I, they worked together, but Pete had the big chair uh, when I was here. Ethan Schmidt, who was over at TV6, would come in pretty regularly. Sam Ali, of course, who's yeah. uh, off uh, in Minnesota now. But, yeah, we had a lot of fun, and, and it was great to bring in a lot of the local media, give them a chance to express their opinions and weigh in on various topics and uh Give people at home a, a break from just hearing me ramble on, too. I think there's a benefit to that. Tanner Hoops joined by Ryan Marine here in the sports pen, former sports director at ESPN-UP. Past meets the present, Ryan. Always good talking to you. Always good seeing you up here. Best of luck coming up. You're getting married this weekend in case you miss, or excuse me, next week. Look forward to talking again soon. Anytime, man. Thank you so much. Let's take a time out. Ryan Stieg joins us next. We're talking hockey in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal joins me. What's going on, Ryan? Not too bad. Uh... It's a nice day outside, you yeah. know. It's uh, I got to enjoy it for a little bit, so uh, I'm okay. Happy anniversary <laughs> to you and the missus. Yeah, uh, it's this weekend. We're going to go out of town, have some fun a little bit. Yeah. Uh, going to Green Bay. I'm sure Packers fans will appreciate <laughs> that, but uh, yeah. Got to go to the Hall of Fame down I'm gonna, there? I'm going to try to go to the Packers Hall of Fame. Uh, a tour of Lambeau is a little much for uh, mm. one, for a non-Packers fan. It's a little much. Yeah, and two, it's actually quite expensive to go on a tour is of Lambeau. Yeah, is that right? So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to pass on that, but I hope to check out the Hall of Fame and, you know, give my assessment of that. Maybe write a column about it when I get back. Well, I tell you what, we are excited for your assessment of the 2019 NHL draft that occurred last weekend. Started Friday. We got your thoughts a little bit on it. Any big surprises, maybe? I I think I know what you're going to say, but (laughs) any big surprise in that first round? Other than the Red Wings, I can't really think of one. Red Wings was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, that was a surprise... And really thinking outside the box. I knew going in that the Wings needed defense, and that might be the route they take. However, there were a lot of good players there mm-hmm. that were maybe better forwards that I thought he might go after. But then he went with a defenseman that nobody had in going in the top ten. He projected 20-something. Yeah, yeah, late first round, potentially early second round. And... That threw me for a loop. I I was like, "What are you doing, Steve? I know it's your new. You're in charge, and you want to 
go with a new plan, but uh, that seemed like a reach to me. Um, it was a reach to everybody else. Maybe it'll pay off, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he shows... From what I've seen video of him, he's got a lot of speed. He can, you know, transition well, maybe do a good two-way player. But uh, I don't know. I, I Jury's still out on that one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure about that one. Do you think Steve Eiserman knows what he wants the Red Wings to look like during their first season under him? I, I don't think he does quite because it's kind of a mess. They're clearly in the rebuilding stage, and he's now inheriting a team that can be his in a way because he can redirect it but he's not quite sure the route he wants to take to get it you know does he want to focus entirely on the draft does he want to see if he can snag a free agent you know that uh maybe not to go the extreme ken holland route and mm. like rely then but maybe get someone for leadership qualities you know that kind of a thing i think he's just trying to dip his toe in the water a little bit and see where everything sits. And uh, I don't know. I I, I trust him. I think it's going to yeah. work out okay for him. But uh, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a surprise. But as some people said, it if, if you want to declare that there is a new guy in charge – Go with a wacky first round. New sheriff in town. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm gonna throw everybody and confuse people with my pick. So if there's any doubt that there is a new idea in Detroit, uh, I went away with that first selection. Go get Artemi Panarin. Do it, Steve. Go get Panarin. (laughs) Otherwise, Colorado's gonna beat you to it. Yeah, I. Is he gonna be cautious? Is he going to be more of a, you know, like a wait-and-see GM? I don't think so. Yeah. Based on the draft, I don't think so. I think he's going to be more aggressive. But, I don't know, it's it's hard to picture new GMs taking over a team Mm because it's their first year, you wonder what they're going to do. Once you get into their second season, you know their plan, you know their personality, what their way of thinking. This time... I could see him. Well, he already thought outside the he already thought outside the <laughs> box with his pick um, for free agency. We'll see where he goes. I um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be aggressive though. He's gonna go after the guy he wants. The question is, is who's that gonna be? Does he want Panera? Yeah, yeah, as badly as you'd think he would. But I don't want to get too far away from the draft. But I want to piggyback off that a little bit. Columbus can they re-sign Panarin and Bobrovsky? Those are the two big contracts that are expiring. There's a chance that both of them could walk or skate, and if they do so, Panarin could be going to Detroit, Colorado. What about this? Bobrovsky to Carolina. I I don't think they're going to be able to snag both. I think they'll be able to get one and to I come think back. That would be Bobrovsky would be the priority because he's homegrown. Yeah, and he's, you know, one of the best goalies. They want to hang on to him. The, you know, would he fit in in Carolina? I don't know. Carolina kind of rode the magic of Peter Morazic. And from what I heard, they want to get him back. It's just, do they think he's their goalie for the future? No, you know? he's uh, not. I don't think they he's might either. Think that, they might not. think that, but, but I they're wrong. They're, yeah, they're wrong in that thinking, but uh, I don't know. I, I think Bobrovsky stays in Columbus. I wouldn't be surprised if some teams make a pitch for him, mm-hmm. but I think he's, you know... I think he likes it there. They made the playoffs, pulled an upset in the first round, upset the best team, you know, and, you know, the NHL in the first round. I think they're moving in the right direction, and I think he's comfortable there. I think he stays. How about Matt Duchesne? Where do you see him ended up? See, that's where the tough part is. No. Yeah, it's. I think he's going to go probably to a. 
like a lower playoff contender. Mm. You know what I mean? Like not a he's not going to go high end because the teams that are probably going to win the cup next year, the favored ones, are already good enough where they're at. Right. I think maybe he could go to. It'd be great if he went to Minnesota, <laughs> but he's not. You know, Minnesota's got their eye on somebody. I yeah. want to bring up to you, but I want to. Yeah, let you finish. I, I would say um, I'm leaning towards maybe a place like Carolina, maybe a lower end team that really made a case for itself. Maybe uh, who else was I thinking about before? Um, How about maybe, Montreal? Maybe Montreal. Maybe the Islanders. Mm. You know, the Islanders are climbing. Maybe a good fit for. Yeah, them. I think I think those would be good spots for him. It's just. Who's willing to pony up the dough for it? Right, because <laughs> he's going to be expensive. Yeah, he's. It's not going to be a cheap pickup. So, it's all about cap space and what you're willing to depart with to make room for that cap space. Do you have it already? I. So much is into play, and uh, it's kind of an interesting time of the year because uh, the draft is fun in its own way. But not everybody's going to be moving to the NHL. It's a lot of right. its development. These guys are going to be going to the AHL or sometimes even lower than that, especially if they're really young. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still intriguing, though. Uh, hockey season's a ways away, but it's still it's still around. But I mean, uh, the Wild. One last point on the NHL draft. The winner this weekend, who won the weekend? Be very easy to say that it would be Ray Shero, general manager of the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> getting the best Getting player. Jack Hughes. And then, surprising as all, Saturday morning, trading for P.K. Subban. And suddenly, New Jersey looks like they could be a favorite in the Eastern Conference. Was that a surprise to you as it was to me? I didn't think Subban would go to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I think if there was any team he'd go to, he'd be going to a team that like, you know, middle level, you know, a team mm-hmm. on the rise, something he could build on. He was happy in Nashville. He was. Um, so uh, that was a bit of a surprise he was leaving. But uh, the Devils must have made him like uh, an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah. You know, Jersey, it fits in well there. <laughs> I, uh, I, Jack Hughes is a huge pickup. So they already won that day. And then to clinch it to get P.K. Subban, yeah. one of the best players in the NHL, it's if, – if you're a New Jersey fan, which I imagine there's not very many not of many. Here, yeah. But if you are, this is you. You got to be in good shape right now. And keep in mind, Ray Sherrill was the same general yes, manager was. who drafted Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So he knows what he's doing. And yeah. I tell you what, I didn't like it when the Penguins fired him back oh, yeah. in 2014. I think they got a great hire in Jim Rutherford, and I'm glad with how it all panned out. But but Ray Sherrill probably shouldn't have been fired. No, I liked him. No, I don't. I feel like that was more like a panic move. It was. Yeah, and and uh, Dan Bilesma. At the time, I didn't like the move. Now it makes a lot more sense. It says, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I like Dan. He's a great guy. Me too. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I look at him, and I'm wondering if he's really the NHL coach, mm-hmm. the head coach. I think maybe he's a better fit for an assistant. Yeah. You know, or uh, maybe uh, maybe more of an AHL job. I just I, – I think he's proven as a head coach that he's just – I think people got suckered into the whole he won that year. Yeah. That, the one, the uh, coach. As an interim award. coach. Yeah, and uh, – kind of thought oh this is the guy for the future but he really isn't and uh maybe he can build somewhere else but i don't think he's he, he's the new mike he's he's mike yo light <laughs> i want to say all these coaches keep going through the pipeline what if seattle names him their first I th- coach i think that'd be a risk but also wouldn't surprise me yeah. although the interesting thing is seattle's owned by jerry Bruckheimer, mm. so when you have a hollywood producer you wonder what they're gonna do are they gonna get really good <laughs> gambling right from the start because that's how hollywood kind of rolls mm-hmm. or are you gonna play it safe maybe go 
Stick with the same, let's find the guys who have failed everywhere else. Let's see if they can lead us to better. You want Lindy Ruff, uh, Dan Bilesma, Alan Vigneau, Mike Yo. It's like Ken Hitchcock. Bruce, Bruce Boudreau when he's <laughs> eventually. Yeah, Bruce Boudreau when he's fired by the Wild yep. at some point this coming season. I still can't believe they brought him back. That is just a – and I, I'm a Wild fan, but I just – He's so disliked there. Mm-hmm. You know, the players don't like playing for him. No. He's like a, he's a cancer in the locker room, and you kept him around. I just, I don't know. I uh, If you ever watch, like, some of the videos on YouTube, they uh, there's a fun little bit. I can't remember. I don't think it's the Blues one, but I think it's the Sharks one or something, and they talk about Bruce Boudreau and how awful he is. So, um, but uh, I think the Wilder going to need to make some changes yeah. and uh you were going to lead to that have you ever seen bruce bedreau with any other facial expression his mouth kind of shaped in an o bright red cheeks I, i've seen him smile and an awkward smile mm. like he's a guy who doesn't know quite how to smile he's a guy who's 90 percent of the time serious and when he's it's like when you see Bill Belichick smile. Yes. He's always angry or grumpy, and suddenly he finds something funny, and you're wondering where's that coming from. Like <laughs> I don't know how to express joy at all. I, you know. And then there's like Kawhi Leonard laughing. <laughs> it's like where is this coming from? You don't know what to expect, and uh, that's Bruce Boudreaux, a man who is mad ninety percent of the time, and when he's joyful, it throws you for a loop. I was in St. Paul, and I met. Barry Melrose, he was talking to me about his playing days when he was teammates with Boudreaux. He says the team would make Boudreaux upset because they'd all drop their gloves during practice and they'd put them right up next to his face like they're trying to warm their hands by the fire. Yeah, yeah. Fun Boudreaux story. It's hard to think of him as a fun guy, but... It, yeah, fun. Fun <laughs> Not and the Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, yeah Boudreau. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think fun. I would think... Uh, perturbed <laughs> highly perturbed is what i'd go with uh you wanted me to get back to that point i was making about the wild and i won't keep in suspense no, any I, was longer. Just I was just wondering what it was yeah earlier this week the wild were talking to the agent of joe pavelski who was up for a new contract mm-hmm. 35 years old captain america's been with the sharks his entire career uh, there are a few other teams i know certainly a lot of teams would love to have him one being tampa bay but i don't think they have the cap space for it Minnesota getting Joe Pavelski, that would be the home run hit that Paul Fenton needs as a GM. For a guy who's kind of hanging by a thread right now as a GM, <laughs> I, I think I think he'd be a good fit. The question is how long would they give him for a contract? At right. 35, how many more years are you going to will pay for that? Three? I, I, if if you're going beyond five, he's not going to get. No, I, w- five. I wouldn't give you more than five. At yeah. least three. Yeah, I would say maybe three, four-year deal. I think he's a great fit for them. He can be... Maybe that missing piece. Minnesota has. You, you would have thought by now they would have done something more with their time, especially with after picking up Suter and Parisi, yep. they should be going deeper in the playoffs. But they just can't see it. Seem to get it done. And uh, as Jillian Fisher made that funny YouTube video yes. where she's saying, uh, you know, maybe next year we'll become a first round exit team. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. Seems like what they're aiming for right now. I think he's a great fit. It'd be a great pickup, but uh, I don't know. I I don't trust the wild management right now. It'd be like the most all-American lineup to have him, Parisi, and Suter all on the ice at the same time. Yeah, it. it uh, you know, Suter's from went to Wisconsin. 
Pavelski went to Wisconsin and Parisi going to North Dakota. It'd be a big mm-hmm. college connection kind yes. of thing. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, let's take a time out. I've got some more hockey I want to pick your brain on when we come back in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. Michigan finishes second in the Learfield Directors' Cup standings, a Directors' Cup given to the nation's top athletic program. Stanford won the award for the 25th year in a row. How about that? Stanford, Michigan, Florida, Texas, and USC make up the top five. The Pittsburgh Penguins are adding goaltender Matt Murray to their developmental camp roster. Not the two-time Stanley Cup champion Matt Murray, but the Matt Murray who anchored UMass's runner-up finish at the Frozen Four back in April. So if Matt Murray finds a way to make the Penguins roster this fall, the Penguins would have two goalies both named Matt Murray. And finally, the Chicago Cubs had a special guest at Wrigley yesterday. Cookie Monster was on site, dressed in the Cubs uniform. He got to lead the crowd in Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Hello, Cubs fans! Today, C is for Cubbies! Tanner Hoops and Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon talking hockey in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. How frustrating is it when your favorite team goes out and talks to somebody who's well past their prime, probably isn't the signing that you need, and your fans certainly don't want? How about the Edmonton Oilers? They are reaching out to Mike Smith. I think I just... He was their best player for Calgary, but mm-hmm. he's not going to take you anywhere. No. He's not, you can't build off that. I just... If I, I were McDavid, I'd be punching a hole in my wall. Like, you're li- literally, is Cam Talbot to Mike Smith an upgrade? Is no. that how you're going to get me to the playoffs? No, it's a... Uh, I would say it's a half step. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is like, it forward or backwards, yeah, though, yeah. is going to be the thing? Maybe like a... Like a, you just step briefly over the line, and then you'll probably be stepping back over the line before the end of the season. I think it's just, I don't, I, Edmonton's such a mess right now, mm-hmm. and I feel bad for McDavid because he's he's seen as the next Crosby. Yep. And as long as you're with a terribly managed team, you're not going to reach your full potential. No. And as people have said, he needs a friend, and he doesn't have a friend out there. It's... It's just, I don't understand their... By all logic, Edmonton should have done something by now. Absolutely. I mean, they made the playoffs. You would have thought maybe they're 
you know, progressing, and they're not. They took a huge step back, and I don't think they're going to get out of it anytime soon. Good thing they got Dave Tippett, though. Yeah, that'll fix it. Yeah, Connor McDavid gets Dave Tippett and maybe Mike Smith. That's, so, his wall has got to be full of holes. Is this just a... Uh, Let's grab everybody that the Coyotes once had and just... <laughs> let's rebuild the old yeah, Coyotes. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, they were in Winnipeg. Edmonton's a different area. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's not go there. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a rough stretch. I, I think he'll eventually leave. Yeah. You know, I think he's going to be too fed up to play with Edmonton if they're not going to get him what he needs. So I give him credit for the patience he's shown already. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't be this patient. No, I mean, if I, if I was considered the best player in the draft... And I wasn't giving, given what I need to have the support to do what I could do. Yeah, I'd be really frustrated. Uh, well, I wonder how Jack Eichel feels out in Buffalo, yep. too. Yeah, be, he's another one, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, where he's just like, you know, I can only do so much. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I don't have goal, goaltending. I don't have a good defense. I don't have any supporting calf and offense. It's just it, they don't – I feel bad. I just don't think they're going to work out. They, they need to find a different spot. I tell you what, they could try and get Roberto Luongo out of retirement. Sad to see him go after 19 years. One he's, of the most decorated guys and a, a really personable guy. Yeah, he's a fun guy. If you follow him on Twitter, he's pretty funny. <laughs> Strombone. Yeah, yeah, he's a good uh, good follow. He's uh was always good to the media, good to fans. He, I mean, he... He was one of the best goalies ever. I mean, he would have his moments where it looked like he was way out of sync of where he needed to be. I still remember that series of Vancouver. Yes. But uh they he just he's a good goalie and he play he was like the guy in Florida for a long stretch and uh is he fourth all-time in wins or is it fifth? I have to double check that, but he's up there. Yeah, and uh I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer and uh First ballot, I'm not sure, mm. but I think he'll definitely get in on the second one. Well, a few other moves that have been made. Eric Howla is heading to Carolina, frees up a little cap space for Vegas, and Patrick Marlowe has been bought out by yeah. the Hurricanes. His tenure there didn't last long. No. Uh, that uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering with Patrick Marlowe, because he's getting up there, yeah. I, I was wondering how much people are going to be willing to pay for him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's at Joe Thornton's era, where it's like... The best days are kind of behind him, um, so yeah, he didn't last long. Still in got a little left in the yeah, tank. Still a little left days, in the tank. His yeah, best days yeah, are yeah he, he's him. not going to be the uh, the guy who's going to lead you to a cup or anything. No. So I uh, that was a bit surprised. Nice pickup for Don Waddle. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, where does Marlowe go? Where's a good fit for him? A lot of that depends on what they're willing to pay him. <laughs> I, I don't know where he goes at this point. It's to be a, honest with you, yeah. I don't know a team that would be a great fit. Let's take money out of it. Based solely on skill set, where would be a good fit for Patrick Marlowe? I would say like a, one of the teams where he could be a missing piece, mm. but not the go-to guy. I would say it ain't gonna be a, it ain't gonna be a cup contender. It no. would be a. Imagine if he went to the Wild. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? But a place where he can be what Matt Cullen was to Pittsburgh during yeah, their cup runs. Yeah, I could see him going. He maybe going to Pittsburgh. Could he be then? Why not? Yeah, I would say the guy, a team he would go to would be like a team that was like a three seed or a four seed in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. A team that he could maybe win a cup with, mm-hmm. not immediately, but give it a year. 
you know? If he's still there. If he's still there, you know, maybe something could come out of it. Maybe he could go to Pittsburgh. He could be that piece that puts Pittsburgh, you know, back in the conversation. He ain't going to go to Tampa. Tampa doesn't have the cap space to get no. him. And uh, I, I would see that. Maybe like a three or four seed team that was in the that was in the playoffs. I think that would be the best fit for him. If you're a Lightning fan, are you optimistic because of what just happened this year, the great regular season and then the debacle in the playoffs, and this whole Braden Point situation has just really handicapped your cap space situation. Are you optimistic if you're a Lightning fan? I would say if you're an optimistic, maybe next year. And then I, I think <clears throat> I think next year's your like chance yep. where you're the favorite. But after that, it's my you're going to be kind of an also ran. You're mm-hmm. going to be maybe you're going to have to pull some upsets in the in the playoffs to be able. I. I'd say next year is like your last real gasp at being the cup contender, being the one seed, being the favorite. After that, you're just going to be kind of going back to where you were before. Is that it for John Cooper after that? Very well might be. At least in Tampa Bay. Yeah, in Tampa Bay. I think he could probably get a gig somewhere else because that's how the league operates. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, if if they can't get it done next year, John Cooper could probably be gone. Give me a yes or no, and then, of course, I want you to tell me why. With the whole situation that happened last year surrounding Nylander and his holdout, will Mitch Marner be a Toronto Maple Leaf this fall? I don't see it. Don't see it? No. How come? I just... Would you want to be in Toronto? No. I wouldn't want to. I think that's the ultimate thing. I I don't think he'd want to be there. uh, Toronto's that team that's just there. You know mm-hmm. they're not going to move up. They're not. It's like they're too good to move fall out of the playoff picture, but they're not good enough to move up. And right. I just don't think he'd want to be there. They're like that team that the football team that goes nine and seven misses the playoffs, but now you have no chance for a top tier draft pick. Yeah, yeah. You're like you could be maybe fifteen. <laughs> you know, like it's that. like you could get a decent pick, but you're not going to really be able to build off of that. And I think and. Everybody's so high in Toronto. Remember everybody at the start of the year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Toronto's the guy. They have no defense. Yeah, yeah. They don't play defense. Every, you know, if there's someone that Canada's going to get the cup, no. Winnipeg got their best shot, and they whiffed in the playoffs. Yes, they did. So it's, I I don't see it. Uh, Toronto's going to have to make some changes, and I don't think he's going to be there. Based on what happened with Nylander last year, do you think that makes Toronto hesitant to negotiate with Marner rather than vice versa? I think Toronto's just desperate to get something done, <laughs> so I think they're willing. I I think they're willing to negotiate, but I don't think they'll go far. I'm excited for hockey now. I can't wait. Yeah, it, I mean, it's getting me back into that mood. Yeah, it, it's you get to a point where you're just like, okay, the playoffs are over, the draft's done. What's next? But uh, there's always something worth talking about in hockey, and I think that's true with every sport. Um, you know, it may not quite be the same. Mm-hmm. But it's something. And Hockey's that, only been gone a month, and I miss it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's kind of sad. I'm, uh, but you know, pretty soon you'll have football to talk about, mm-hmm. and basketball will be getting into its thing, and so uh, and of course, you know, and you just made a coaching hire, so yes. there's something too. Well, I tell you what, sticking with hockey though, what if this happens? Am I crazy to throw this scenario at you? Arizona, I see them on the rise. I see them continuing to get better under Rick Tockett. I think this could be a tough year for Vegas. I think there's some risk regarding whether Vegas could end up making the playoffs or not. I think Arizona will be a playoff team this year, and I wonder if it's at the expense of Vegas. I think so, too, because Vegas, 
a lot of their stuff came out of the expansion draft, mm-hmm. and they've had to base it off of that. They were successful that first year, made the playoffs second year, but I feel like their luck's going to run out. And they're they, learning they can't keep everybody. Yeah, yeah. It's like you you may be good for a year or two, but then you got to try to get everybody back, and uh, it's all about paying people what they want and what they deserve, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think Arizona has a better chance. I think Vegas will make it back mm-hmm. maybe this year. I think their dream of uh, finishing the job again, the cup, has kind of gone out the window. They really, really like William Carlson. They just oh, showed yeah, they how really much do. they like Wild Bill. Was it worth it based on the cap situation they're in now? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I now mean, for one guy. Yeah, I mean, Vegas, as much as as good as he is, he's not the kind of guy that you could build off of. No. He's, the, he's the kind of guy who you can be on your top line and get you the points and the goals you need that you might need, but there's not a guy he's not he's more like the second piece. Like if you're gonna make a one two punch, he's the second one. He's not the guy who's gonna Kyrie. Get, yeah. He's that kind of guy. He's he's the Kyrie to a LeBron kind of a thing. Well I tell you what, the Penguins, I want to get your thoughts on them. Jim Rutherford is one of those wheeling dealing type of GMs. Always gonna make sure the Penguins are gonna be a playoff team. Like they took a step back. They have been taking steps back, certainly. But they'll be a playoff team. I really don't doubt that they're going to yeah. make the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to be back. They'll I, be back. Uh, yeah, they have. I don't probably, know how far they go, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think uh, maybe a second-round team, you know. Mm-hmm. But crazy stuff happens in the playoffs. Nobody thought the Blues would make the Stanley Cup <laughs> Finals. So I, I think the pieces are there to make the playoffs. But uh, I don't know. I feel like they'll have to make a big move if they want to get back to where they want to be. How about the Blackhawks continuing to get younger on the defensive end? Uh, they got Ole Mata. You can say what you want about him. He's been taking steps back ever since his rookie season. But at this point, I think Chicago just wants youth. Uh, well, it's how they got their cups, by building young and getting players like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and uh, you know maybe getting the goalie they needed in Corey Crawford and uh, just building off of that, I think – that's what they need to do. Chicago is now what they were, you know, four years ago. They're a completely different team, and uh, I think if they build off the draft, they'll be okay, though. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take our last time out when we come back. Friday Funnies, finishing the week like we always like to. Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along on this Friday afternoon. Well, we end the week the way that we always love to with the Friday Funnies. Ryan, what do you have for us? I guess to start off, the Jaguars, as we all know, mm. had their one year, and then they're a mess again. And they talk about the Blaine Gabbert pick <laughs> and how what a terrible selection that was. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack Del Rio was on the radio the other day, former Jaguars coach, yep. and said, wants to reemphasize over and over again, he had nothing to do with the drafting of Blaine Gabbert. Didn't want Blaine Gabbert, but that's what the Jaguars were with. He said draft day. He left to go get something to eat. There's a buffet, you know, on draft day. He went out to get something to eat. He's filling up his plate, he said. He's thinking, okay, we're late in the draft. We got some time to think about it, maybe making a deal. And then all of a sudden, I hear in the background, the Jaguars are on the clock. And he goes, and I'm think, I almost dropped my plate, and I'm thinking, what the blank is going on here? And he basically, I, 
I, I set my plate down and I ran back into the draft room and uh, everybody has these surprised look on their face like, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> and uh, he said it turned out to be because they drafted Blaine Gabbert, who has now become a serviceable backup. Right. But he's not a starter. No. And uh, he, so he basically said, it's not my fault that we drafted Blaine Gabbert. And uh, I'd probably feel the same way. Well, if, yeah. If I'm at a buffet and thinking, okay, we got like maybe an hour to come up with our plan, you know, what are we going to do? And then. So poorly goes, mismanaged. <laughs> Completely out the window, and uh, why the? I feel bad for the Jaguars because I thought after making the AFC title game, they were going to mm-hmm. maybe be the next team, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not. So, nope. two terrible plays in the field are our next two stories. Oh, boy. Um, there's the Reds, who, <laughs> who first of all gave up an inside the park homer. How rare are those in the uh-huh. major leagues? So there's their first mistake. And they let a guy score from second on a sack fly. The guy's on second base. There's a fly ball. And the guy's kind of lazily going back to the warning track to get it. Gets it. We talked about this last week, how they can't keep track of outs. This guy didn't either. So he thinks it's the third out. He thinks um, he gets the ball and he's just kind of tossing it back in the infield. The guy on second takes the initiative, sprints around third base. They finally realize he's trying to score on the play, and he scores, and he's about eight steps in front of the throw. So the Reds have a disaster um, after already giving up an inside-the-park home run. So there's the Reds. Kind of sums up their season. And then the Cubs decided they want to get into the act with some stupid base running. Mm. Guy at the plate, it's a, it's the pitcher. So you're already thinking if the pitcher's at the plate, you're not going to get anything out of it. Right. Pitchers basically go up there to try to bunt or maybe potentially get the ball out of the infield. The, the, the bar is pretty low for them. So they failed on the bunt. They're, he was supposed to try to sack bunt, uh, maybe do kind of like a suicide squeeze thing. He whiffed on the bunt. Like, didn't even touch it with the bat. You know, Baez is caught between third and home he's thinking oh the bunt's gonna get down i'm gonna try to steal home on the play didn't happen he's caught between third and home he gets caught gets tagged out in the rundown and then Contreras is on second base and while this is going on (laughs) thinks oh i can make it to third he doesn't get there he's thrown out by about two steps so the cubs lose two outs because of terrible strategy and terrible base running. Like, if you see the replay, the miss bunt, Baez is completely stuck. He doesn't know where he's going to go. He tries to get back to third, but the guy, they're just like, okay, you're out. And then Contreras is hauling from second, thinking he's going to get there, and he's tagged out pretty easily. So you have the Reds' disaster combined with the Cubs' disaster, and it's just, it's a mess. Pitcher's so, batting, man. Just yeah, get the DH. Yeah, yeah. Just get a DH. I, I, I endorse the designated hitter yes. in the National yeah. League. because Absolutely. I don't think we're far away from it being mandated. No, no. It's, uh, it's, you're basically sacrificing an out every time your pitcher comes to plate. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been. Some pitchers can rake. Yeah, some pitchers can actually be decent hitters that could actually get up there and maybe get a single <laughs> out of it. Maybe contribute offensively, but the most of them can't. Once in a while, a Bartolo Colon comes around. Yeah, one of those. Kerry Wood was actually pretty decent. He hitter. was. Um, but that's about it. There's not a lot out there. So 
I endorse the DH. I I was used to be more traditionalist in baseball. Like I kind of like the National League a little more, but that's just like I've grown up, and I'm just like, there's no point in not having the DH in the NL. It's not the way games are won anymore. <laughs> Their style of baseball it almost gives the American League an unfair advantage when they play interleague series. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, you automatically think the AL is going to win the game simply on that fact, and uh, you don't want to be the underdog in every regular season game <laughs> that you play interleague just because you won't adapt to the times. Good news for the Cubs, though. Craig Kimbrell made his Cubs debut yesterday, picked up the save. That was good to see. Do you see the guy who, uh, (laughs) they've joked on Twitter today that uh, when the guy you want to get the jersey of where his jersey's on the discount rack, because they misspelled Kimbrell's name. Oh, no. It says Krimble. (laughs) So some guy thought he was getting a Kimbrell jersey. Letters aren't even close to each other. No, no, no. So he made the mistake, and uh, this is what happens when you buy knockoff jerseys. Uh, Cody Bellinger, you heard about the thing where people keep trying to hug him? So whenever he's out in the field, there's just been this trend now where women, younger women, will jump out of the stands to try to hug him. They'll sprint over to him, wrap their arms around him, and then be arrested and taken away by security. And on one of the incidents, he said, you know, you're going to be arrested for this. And the girl said, but it was worth it. And I'm just (laughs) like... You're running onto the field, and he finally had to say something in a post-game press conference. He's just like, my hugs aren't that special. You know, <laughs> don't sacrifice getting arrested to try to get a hug from me. One, he's not paying attention. He's not really thinking about you in any way. And he's just, you're disrupting the game to get a hug from me, and then you're getting arrested. There's, it's not worth it. Spend a night with the LAPD for a guy who doesn't even know your name. Yeah, or cares for that matter, <laughs> or cares to know your name. I so. saw that uh, uh, one of those women, might have been the one that you were referring to, ended up going viral on Twitter. One of the best experiences of her life. I don't see how that... You have to be kind of delusional to think that was a great experience. Not only did you get arrested, you disrupted a game, and he doesn't care. No. It's like, it's not like you're getting a date out of him or something like that. You know, he's going to fall for you. He's just like, okay, leave now. I, I have a job to do. Like the 2013 College World Series. I always think of Wally Zerbiak when he was with the Timberwolves yep. when someone rushes the court to try to hug somebody. Yeah, I think of him, and I think of the College World Series where that one girl jumped over the... 2013? Yeah, yeah. and tried to hug some guys, and uh, Morgana the Kissing Bandit way back <laughs> in the day. I just don't... I feel like... People think differently when a woman does it than mm-hmm. when a guy does it. The guys treat it like, when a guy does it, like, look at this moron. But if a girl <laughs> does it, it's like people give her, like, a pass almost. Right. She's just love struck. There's something. a double like, standard. Yeah, there's a double standard there. Uh, have you ever been to a game when someone's rushed the field? I have not done that, actually. Uh, I've had guys talk about it. Yeah. All yeah, talk. Yeah, but no one actually do it, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if I saw it in person, it would be something to remember, but also something you'd want to forget. I've seen it. You have? Where at? at? Arrowhead in Kansas City. Well, a football game. Chiefs fan, yeah. I, I feel like it's even more rare in a football game. He didn't even get beyond the goalpost. We were behind the end zone. He was in my section, and he hops the fence in front of me, 
and does not get as far as the goalpost. Security's all over him immediately. The mascot was like moving in position to block him and everything. The wolf mascot. It was a spectacle. I I feel like there's so much high security on football games that, you know, they'll squash it early. Whereas Mm -hmm. in the ballpark, if you're coming from the outfield, you got room to run. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah, And if you're in Oakland with all that foul territory. (laughs) Yeah. You have a strategy. Always have an exit. (laughs) They always say have an exit strategy. Right. Sometimes they'll corner themselves and they'll be able to tackle. One guy showed he sprinted all the way around the field, jumped over the fence, and made it out of the stadium and nothing happened to him. <laughs> I'm ending it with Cam Newton. Okay. Do you remember, Did you heard about him trying to bribe a guy with his leg room? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those who don't know, he's Cam missed his flight. He was in business class on a flight and he missed it. So then he had to go in, out in steerage with the rest of us and wanted legroom. So he offered a guy $1,500. The guy said no. He wouldn't give up his seat Why wouldn't you do for $1,500. So what surprised me, and apparently surprised Cam Newton too, um, so what would you give up? Is 15 enough for you or would you have held out? I'd have tried to bargain a little bit. Like I wouldn't have said a hard no. I would have said you're gonna have to do a little better than that. You got the uh, you got the money. Let's see what you. I I would try to negotiate. I might do five. Like if you throw five at me, <laughs> I'd probably do it. But uh, you know, fifteen hundred. I mean, it's a nice sum. But you know, he gets paid tons and tons of money. You'd think he'd be able to throw up a little more at you. But uh, I'd say five. If he went up to five, I'd be willing to do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I. Uh, if he was willing to go even higher, I definitely would do it. But five, I think I, I'd do it, and then I, I would try to bargain with them. Where would you be? Would you take 1500 or would you try to get... I'd try to bargain. Okay. I'd keep bargaining with them. What, where's your, where would you be like, okay, where would you be willing to accept it? Well, a lot of that depends on where the flight is. He wants the legroom, I get, because he's like six foot six. I'm six three, so it's not an ideal situation for me if it's not good enough for him. So if I'm on a flight from, like, Minneapolis to Detroit, where I'll be off in an hour, yeah, I'll go for that. Yeah. But if I need to fly across the country, i got to go, like, New York to L.A., you know, that's a different situation. Or even worse, like, international or going to Alaska or something. Yeah, if you're... I think I would demand, start demanding more if it was a longer flight. If he was giving me five from a flight, you know, from Minneapolis to Chicago (laughs) or something like that, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Fifteen and tickets. Yeah, yeah. If you can get me tickets to a game, like front row, 50-yard line, you know. Pull out a jersey. I know you have one on you. Sign it. An autographed jersey. Yeah, yeah. I'd be willing to do it. But, like, you'd have to really go high. If I'm flying New York to L.A. or if I'm flying to Miami or if I'm flying from – I don't know, the Yucatan or, you know, flying to Acapulco or something. Yeah, or Honolulu. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to give me some ca- more than $1,500. What do you think he was doing that he missed his flight? Did it say in this uh, article? Uh, from what I saw, I didn't hear. He just missed the flight. I don't know, slept through his alarm <laughs> or something or wasn't paying attention. I'm thinking sleep because normally when I hear people missing their flight, mm. it's usually because they f- – fell asleep through their right alarm. i mean you're there several hours before your flight yeah and if you're gonna miss it they try to hold the flight if like if you're running late and you have a connecting flight they'll try to hold it as long as they can because mm-hmm. they know it's not your fault you're trying to sprint to your gate basically so they'll try to give you i think they give you like a 20 minute or half an hour leeway mm-hmm. on your connecting flight but if you just i think he just missed it like wasn't paying attention or whatever so that's on him 
You know, if you if if you're dumb enough to miss your flight completely, uh, you know, be prepared to throw some money. He, he was almost disbelief that some guy wouldn't take. <laughs> and it's like as cool as it is to get money from a celebrity, people aren't morons. Right. You know, you're sacrificing your own discomfort, <laughs> your your own comfort for somebody else just for money that they could easily pay more for. I I, w- I would have done five. If he had given me five grand, I would have done it. Cam Newton makes that much in one snap. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm surprised he wouldn't play up a little more. It's like almost he stopped at 1500 <laughs> It's like, okay, now you're being cheap. Now, now you deserve your lack of leg room. <laughs> anyway. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stig with you here in the sports pen. Glad to have you along. It is officially time to hit the weekend. Enjoy your time down there in Green Bay. Uh, you and the missus again. Happy anniversary. Well, thanks. It's uh, going to be an interesting weekend. Well, that is it for us once again. I'm back on Monday, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It'll be July. I'll be another year older, and we'll have plenty of free agency stuff to talk about. All that and more coming up next week. Until then, signing off for Ryan Stieg. I'm Tanner Hoops in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP.